which is holding by the final Sukkim of Sefi Yeshua, Perik Chastar Pasuk Pates, Vahiyah Charet Varmele. Charet Varmele, after the speech that Yeshua gave to Kali Yisrael and the bris that he, he finalized with them, Vayamus Yeshua bin Nun Eved Hashem, Vimeve Eshashanim. Yeshua bin Nun dies 110 years old, and here he's given the title Eved Hashem. Which is very significant. Until now, the whole way through the Sefer, we always refer to Moshe Rabbeinu as Eved Hashem. And uh, like Moshe is always called Moshe Avdi or Moshe Eved Hashem. And now we see for the first time Yeshua also deserves the same title. Tafka, when he dies, is given the same, so to speak, uh, source of being called an Eved Hashem. Very few people in Tanakh were given such an honor of being called Eved Hashem. But the Maisa, there's another point here also. There's another point here also. And that is, we see this as a principle which goes through Tanakh, we see a number of cases. And that is, the idea of a Talmud emulating his teacher. A Talmud emulating the Rebbe. In other words, we know that there's always a transmission of Jewish leadership from door to door. Every leader... When he dies, Hakadosh Baruch already is the next leader in his place. Like Chazal said in the pasuk in Kehelas, that the sun sets and the sun rises. But actually, Shaka Shimsha Shaeli was quite zarah the Shemish of Shimsha of Shmuel, and so on the whole way. There's always going to be another Jewish leader, except sometimes the leader is a Talmud of the previous leader. Sometimes he's not. And the difference is that a leader is a Talmud. Really, he aspires to the level of his teacher. And the proof of his atzlacha in, so to speak, assuming the mantle of leadership, which was vacated by his teacher, is that he is zeichet to the same title. The Torah gives him the same appellation, which means he was zeichet to faithfully, so to speak, pull the shoes or follow the footsteps of where his teacher was. It's an amazing thing. We see this a lot of times in Tanakh. I'll just give you another example. We know one of the most famous examples of, of a teacher and a student was Eliyahu and Novi and Elisha and Novi. Hashem tells Eliyahu to appoint Elisha as a Novi Tachtecho to replace him. Eliyahu on that day didn't, didn't know Elisha. They hadn't met before. So Eliyahu comes to Elisha and he tells him Hashem is going to make you the next Novi. And Elisha drops everything and, and after from that incident on followed Eliyahu faithfully until the end of Eliyahu's sojourn here on earth, and that is to learn as much as he could from Eliyahu. And we see an amazing thing, that Elisha was present when Eliyahu was taken to Shemayim, and uh, as we know, the famous words Elisha said when he saw Eliyahu being taken away from him, Avi, Avi, Rechev Yisraelu Parashat. The title he gave to Eliyahu was, my father, so to speak, the Rechev Yisrael, the chariot of Kai Yisrael. That was the title that Elisha saw in his teacher Eliyahu when Eliyahu left. Elisha continued to fulfill the role of the Novi and the leader of the Jewish people. Many years later, Elisha dies. And then an unbelievable thing. The king Yoyam bin Achav was at his bedtime when he died. And the Pasuk says that when Elisha passes away, so the king says about him, Avi, Avi, Rechav Yisrael Parasha. Exactly the same title or the same praise he had used for Eliyahu was given to him and it's not by chance. It means he continued or he assumed the role of Eliyahu so to speak 
and he made it by faithfully uh, fulfilling the role he did, so he made it, he was able to be zeche to the same title that Daniel has. The same we see by Yeshua. It's after when Yeshua dies, and now we look back at Yeshua's career, that he was a faithful servant of Moshe on the one side, but also a faithful leader of Tal Yisrael, who replaced Moshe. So then now when he dies, for the first time, Yeshua is given the title of Moshe. Moshe was called Evan Hashem, and now Yeshua is also called Evan Hashem. That's one point. There's another point here also, which is very interesting. And there's a Gemara in Baba Basra. And the first part of the Gemara is famous, the second part not so much. And the Gemara says like this. The face of Moshe radiated with brightness, intensity of the sun, and the luminance of the face of Yeshua was only like the radiance of the moon. And that's well known. But the Gemara carries on. For that embarrassment, for that disgrace. Well, what's it talking about? What's the shame? What's the disgrace? What are we talking about? Is that the lower so it could, could be the number of chats which, which we could give. Uh, it could be that Kaisha felt that they had been short-charged. There's another very beautiful chat. And that is, the skin, it wasn't everyone who said it, it was the Skene Hadar. The Skene Hadars were the ones who gave the title to the Yeshua, like the, play, the face of the moon to the face of the sun. Just the face of the chat. And we know that the sun provides light every day. Right, the sun provides warmth. Imagine we would be told, as of tomorrow, the sun's not going to shine anymore. But don't worry, you have the moon. I said, the moon? The moon's going to replace the sun. We know the moon. Maybe the moon helps you at night, you don't compete in absolute blackness. And you can see a little bit what's going on around you. That's the sun. It doesn't come close to the sun. Now, this is the point. When Klai Yisrael heard, or the Zikni Hadar heard, that Moshe was going to die, and Yeshua was going to be his replacement, how did they feel? We know Yeshua. Yeshua is going to replace Moshe. Wait, are you serious? Moshe is like a son. Moshe is on a completely different plane. That was the leader. That was someone who could lead us. That was someone we respected. And now Yeshua is going to fulfill the position. It's, just, it's like the moon replacing the sun. That was the zikna that I felt. I understand that they obviously even respected Moshe. There was no one like Moshe. But Yeshua was one of their own. They didn't feel he was greater than them. So then, how is he going to be our leader? We said on Shabbos. To an extent, Yeshua probably felt that way also. How is he going to stand up to fulfill the role of Moshe Ben? It doesn't even start. Like we said, that's Hashem to encourage him again and again. This is the beginning of his Savior Yeshua. Chazak Be'emat. Chazak Be'emat. Be strong. Do it. You're meant to be the role. Already in the Torah. And that's why he needed that chizah. Yeshua also didn't feel that he was capable of replacing Moshe. But what the Yeshua said, is when they saw that Yeshua did replace Moshe. Yeshua did replace Moshe, and Yeshua grew to fill the role of the leader of the Jewish people. Not just that, if you look in the course of history, one of the most successful leaders Yeshua ever had. In three ways. Look at three things. Firstly, number one, Yeshua conquered he was the one who led the conquest of Israel and he portioned Israel to the Shvatim so he fulfilled the final stage so to speak where Hashem wanted the Kaisha should come to Israel and settle there this is a Gemara the Gemara says in Gittin but the Kaisha not done a various and the Tanakh would have ended now this was the end point what Yeshua did so in that way he fulfilled the, the job meant for him 
entirely. The second thing, in his day, like we saw, Klai Yisrael all kept the Torah. We don't find any criticism of Klai Yisrael the whole way through Sefi Yisrael of doing anything wrong. And that's unbelievable. It's unparalleled. Even by Moshe, we find many times Klai Yisrael did things wrong. Okay, we're not comparing, but I'm saying if you're going to compare about the leadership of Yeshua, there isn't a single instance you find someone doing an Avera in the whole of Yeshua. And like we pointed out before, Yeshua himself tells us to them. He says you should continue with serving Hashem like you have been doing. So he there was no criticism. Number three, as a leader, as a leader, yes, one exception. Right, Ocham, at the very beginning, there was only one person who was killed. If you any other example of rebellion of, of, of anyone going into territory during Yeshua's reign. No. And number three, and that is as a leader, no one ever stuck with him. No one ever fought with him. No, there was no no, no objection, no opposition to Yeshua the whole way through his leadership. Moshe dealt with Korach, and Moshe dealt with Tosin and David and Yachtel with Shavim Bechri, and with Shalom, and with a lot of others. And Shalom had his opponents, everybody. Yeshua, no one. Now, Amos is a part of Hashem's promise to him. Right at the beginning, he said, No, you see, I said, Ishmael for Nechah. Even from, even from within. No one's going to stand up to you. And it's true. And now let's look back. Right? So if you look at Yeshua's reign, as posh as one of the most glorious episodes in Klai Yisrael. Right? This was the Yeshua which everybody thought, he's a moon. He's going to replace the sun. Maybe Yeshua felt that himself. But now when you come to the conclusion of Yeshua, we see that. And that's why the question is, that this guy in red has, it's an embarrassment, we're ashamed. We never thought Yeshua was able to do this. Look what he was able to do. So that's at the end of his tenure? Uh, even during. But whenever they realized that they were they completely misjudged Yeshua, when they thought, how in the world is Yeshua going to be the leader? That's it's not true. Yeshua was an extremely successful leader. So they felt the embarrassment. That we didn't think Yeshua was capable of this. Like we said before, the MSS, even maybe Yeshua felt like that at the beginning also. Maybe Yeshua felt like Hashem to Mechazakim too. Go and do it. This is the job you meant for. And he made it. Now we see that he fulfilled what Hashem expected of him. So we already saw before and he shows Nachalo, which was himself, was the best called Tim Maserach, or Tim Maserach, as sometimes called, but, and that's where he was buried. But the, it's interesting, a description of the place is being Mitzvan Lahar Gash. North of a Hargash. A Hargash literally means a volcano. Um, where, where is this volcano? So Chazal said, this is the Gemara in Shabbos, that Akhadish Baruch was extremely angry with the Jewish people when they showed that because they didn't be masked in property. They weren't, they didn't utilize in property, and therefore the Zragash lay Mahar the Hargan. Hashem wanted to bring a volcano, so to speak, to punish everyone um, for not. For not we must be sure as they should have done. Why didn't they must be properly? So we're going to see. And this is in two weeks. Okay. Vayavid Yisrael Hashem, call you Mary Yeshua. Yisrael served Hashem all the entire life of Yeshua. As like we said before, the Shavach of Yeshua. Vachol you may ask him, Shariff, Yom Achra Yeshua. Vashad Yadis, call him Maisa Hashem, 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 Yeshua. Who did the Kenyan? That Yisrael served Hashem through their lifetimes. It's an interesting thing. The Zikanim aren't mentioned by name. Not here, and also not in Perikah when they're being referred to. When they refer to Mr. Perikah 
Is this Moshe Kibbal Torah Misunay? Or Misunay Yeshua? Yeshua Zaskani? I assumed there was a group of people. So who are these people? So it can't be Pinchas, and I'll tell you why. Pinchas, we find a lot of, half of Sefer Shevet in Pinchas is around. He's a Kohen Gadol. And there were a lot of things that Kaishwal did wrong at the time. If you go to them in Sefer Shevet. But now we're talking about the Zaskanim, which the Kaishwal served Hashem, the Kol Yumei Zaskanim. The entire life of the Zaskanim. They're a group. We know who they are. Right. So it's probably the Nassim of the time. The first star of Nassim, that's what it means. The ones who Yodas call Maestro Hashem Asher Asher which means saw already the Nassim beforehand. So then, that's another tremendous thing. That the the Nassim who were with Yeshua were also on the stature to maintain Klai very high rufnistic standard. Agav, this is something which is uh, something which we're going to discuss by Hashem when we start to shift him. But it's a tremendous question. And that is, you see, before Moshe Ben dies, he comes to Hashem and he says, Hashem, you have to look after Klai Israel. You need to appoint another leader. And Hashem says, don't worry, I've already prepared the next leader. The next leader is Yeshua. And Yeshua seamlessly takes over from when Moshe dies. Yeshua is there, he's in charge, and he guides Klai Israel successfully until the end of his life. And then, who took over from Yeshua? Who is the third? If HaKadosh Baruch is going to make sure that that the nation of Hashem will never be like a flock without a shepherd, so who took over from Yeshua? Who's the third? We find that Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem that there should be a leader. But Hashem answers him that, 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 that you have to do anything with my I want to look after him. So where, where's the next leader? Who, and who was the next leader? After the Skyrim, which doesn't, firstly, we're assuming now the Skyrim was the Nassim. It doesn't mention them by name. Who was the leader then? Was it, was it fragmented that each Shavit had their own Nasi and there was no one who was in charge of Israel? And then afterwards, again, when you come to the Shavitim, you're going to see, and this was the major tragedy of the era of the Shavitim, which we're going to learn about, and that is, the Shavitim wasn't a chain of leader to student to student to student, whoever it's going to be. It's, it's, there was a Shafet who led Klai Yisrael and he died and there was a vacuum and Klai Yisrael sank because of that vacuum until a new lady came and led them but there was a gaps in between there was a lot of gaps in between each Shafet there's maybe one time the Shafet we found that one gave, gave the leadership to the next one every other time the Shafet died and then Klai Yisrael left so to speak leaderless and as a result they start doing things wrong until Akadosh Baruch will send somebody else to assume the role of a leader wasn't there a Sanhedrin continuously? There was a Sanhedrin continuously, which means the Torah was transmitted from every generation to generation, and we know how that happened. We have no focus on the tradition of Torah, or, the, or let's say the ability to pass Kunhalafa. But we're talking about leadership. The Sanhedrin were Dayanim. They weren't kings. They didn't have the role of looking after, the, so to speak, of being in, in, in charge of guiding the Jewish people. So, that's a trans question we're going to ask. Like, what happened? Where did, where, why was it that, uh, so to speak, uh, all those hiccups in the chain of, of the leaders? I got this is a side point. Next time I said, Mr. Rosengarten's question, if you look in the Rambam, at the beginning of his Akdama to Sefer Lacha, the Rambam there gives the train of, of transmission of Torah. He says, we know that the Torah is given by Moshe Messina, and we have an unbroken train, train of position of the Torah, from Moshe until today. And he goes until his own time. And he goes door after door after door in each door. Who was, who was the next leader who received the Torah and gave it to his Talmud after him? 
And if you look at the Dar the Rambam, you'll see an unbelievable thing. And that is the transmission of Torah did not go through the channels of the Jewish leadership. Channel. Of the leadership. There were exceptions, Moshe and Yeshua were exceptions, but after that, it went a different route. Dabra Melech isn't part of the train. Neither is Shlomo Melech. Neither is Chizkiyahu. Those were the leaders. Those were the kings. Maybe the political leaders, maybe the ones in charge of the Kaisal. It wasn't the root of Torah. If you look at the Ramam and the transmission of Torah, it went through the Navim. It went through the Navim. So it went to Shmuel Navi, who gave it to Nasr Navi, who gave it to Gaza Khaizeh, who gave it to Achia Shilani, who gave it to Leo, who gave it to Elisha. It went a different track. The kings were all alive at the time. They weren't the transmission of Torah. We see there was a very different like parts of, within the Jewish hierarchy. There was the transmission of Torah, and there was the, whoever the leader was who was meant to be in charge. Yes, there were rare occasions where the two came together in one person. Yeshua was an example of that. As far as I remember the Ramam's chain, the next person who combined both, which means both Torah and Yeshua, was Ezra Sofer. Until then, they went to completely different tracks. Okay, so in Echanami, the Torah was transmitted door after door without interruption, but the leadership, we find after Yeshua, there wasn't somebody who was chosen as the third leader of Kla Yisrael, which is a question which we're going to discuss when we get to Shaykh Bebez Hashem. Okay, the S at now, so that's the first point. So, this is also, because of that, there wasn't, uh, what happened after Yeshua died is that there was nothing unifying the source. Each Shevet was now spread out in their own Nacht and Eretz Yisrael. And there was, no, there was no central authority to unify everybody. Which is all, and the first expression of that lack of unity is the fact that they didn't masquerade Yeshua properly. Who was going to, didn't eulogize Yeshua properly. Who was going to organize that? So yes, it doesn't mean that different, everyone in their own places didn't organize a Hesper for Yeshua. But there was no collective, so to speak, expression of the Hesper for Yeshua. Because there was, no one to, there was no one next. Who's next? There was no one to do that. Right. In other words, I'm sure they they, they masked like it masked any god ladder. But uh, it wasn't like there was uh, a, a, a collective effort to try and replace him. Right. The Es the bones of Yosef, which were brought from Mitzrayim, as we know, Yosef's final request to his brothers was to carry his bones out of Mitzrayim and bring them back to Shechem. And because Yaakov had given him Shechem as an extra gift, that's what did Yaakov have to give. So Yaakov said one thing, he has the field that he bought. Because when Yaakov originally came to Shechem, he bought the fields when he pitched his tent, that's a chalkas asada shekhani yaakov mehesk nechamar av yishchem. And if we say that's mine, I bought it. The rest of Eretz Yisrael is going to be given by Nachat Tishvatim, Yaakov Avinu doesn't have a chalik in that. But the field he bought is his. So he told Yosef, well, the one thing I can give you in Eretz Yisrael is my field. That I bought, that's mine. And that's what he gave Yosef, and that's where Yosef is buried. In the in the field which Yaakov bought, Arashat Shechem. And therefore, you know, there's a nachalo, not that the kev was a nachalo, but it was in the nachalo of Yosef. Which was in, like we said, was already in that area. Is that where Yeshua was buried? No, Yeshua was buried in Tinnas Where is he buried? Uh, he was buried next to his home. With Yosef. Why is he buried like in the same area of Yosef? We see that in the time of Tanakh, people weren't buried in one central basic forest. Every family had its own basic forest, and they were buried there. 
So Yeshua is buried near his homestead. His family was. Yes, it was his, um, his great 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 grandfather. Okay, that's true. But we, that's what we don't find it. It was it worked for families. We don't find that there was a an Indian to be buried in like what big base what they first. Now this, the the Quran didn't happen now. There was no reason to wait with Yosef's bones for, until Yeshua died to bury him. Or even longer than until Yeshua died to bury him. Right? Yosef could be buried when they came to Israel and they took Shem. There was no reason to wait. It's just bringing it here because putting next to Yeshua first, and then going to see the next was like a larger coin. Everyone was buried. So he said, by the way, yes, it was also buried in Shechem. But like we said, this wasn't, it wasn't so much, it wasn't at this stage in, chronologically. It's just being brought here, we were telling you, where, where, where Yeshua and Raz were buried at the same time where Yosef was buried. Right. Chazal said another interesting point, and then it said that while Yosef was buried in Shechem, the Gemara inside it says, Mishchem Gunvuhu, Mishchem Hechsidu. He was stolen from Shechem, mm-hmm. and therefore the brother's tikkun was to return him to Shechem. That's an interesting idea. And if we bring Yosef back to Shechem, was Kido rectifying the wrong they did when they originally stole him and sold him from Shechem. Fine. The Raza bin Aaron Mace, that's the Raza Kohen Gadol, the Yikbur Yosef will give us Pinchas Benoy, Asher Nitzan Lebahar Ephraim. The Raza Kohen was buried on the, in, the, in the giver, in the mountain which belonged to Pinchas, which was given to him in Ephraim. The Gemara asks in Baba Basra, um, how, where, where did Pinchas get something from if it wasn't from Elazar? In other words, if Elazar was the father, Pinchas would have been the one to Yerush him. So why is it called that he was buried in the land and give us Pinchas below? Where, where did Pinchas get it from? So the Gemara in Baba Basra says that, that, uh, that this is an example of a son inheriting from his mother. That Kenireh, um, Elazar's wife, who is known as from Bnei Yosef, right, the Bible says, Elazar bin Aaron Akoy, Nokach Hami Bnois Putil, Lele Isha. Elazar bin Aaron married one of the daughters of Putil, which the Gemara says is the daughter of Yosef, or the son of Yosef. And if that's the case, Kenireh, the Gemara says what? The Gemara says, was a, in other words, it was a, 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 a granddaughter of Yisrael. Had, and Yisrael's daughter had married the son of Yosef, and then their daughter married the Razakai. Now, if that's the case, so Elazar's father-in-law, Elazar's wife's father, who was from Bnei Yosef, right, had no sons. His only descendant was his daughter who had married Elazar. If that's the case, when he died, so that Nachla went to Mrs. Mrs. Elazar Akai, whatever her name was. No. No, this is a, we don't know who she was, but she was one of the daughters of the of Yosef, and she got the Nakhla, and then when she died, the Nakhla goes to her son. Nakhla Right. That's the Gemara's proof of this. And that's why the Elazar was buried in the Nakhla of Pinchas Benoit. It wasn't his. It was Pinchas's because it came from Pinchas's mother to Pinchas, and that's why it was Nitzan Ebahar Ephraim. It was given to him in the mountain of Ephraim because it came from Nakhla's Yosef. It came from Nakhla's Yosef. And uh, why? Because Pinchas's grandfather, who was the original, so to speak, uh, one who received the property, was from Yosef. So he married, he was also buried in Har Ephraim. So all three of them, Elazar, Pinchas, and Yeshua, I mean Elazar, Yeshua, and Yosef, they were all buried in the same place, more or less, Nachlas Ephraim. There's different places over there. The obvious question is, why wasn't Elazar buried wherever Elazar lived? Why did they have to take him to the givers Pinchas below? So there are different answers to this. One of the answers is, is that Elazar was where he lived? He lived in Shila. He was a bit of the Mishkan was. And if that's the case, that there's a kind of God that has to be next to the Mishkan. 
He didn't have a nachal on it. Shira wasn't an area of the Zim. Right? He, he lived it because he had to do the various initials. That, was, that wasn't given to the Levine. It wasn't like uh, other places in the case. When he died, the nearest place to bring him to was in the same place. Shira was also in Hari Prime. So he gave us Pinchas Pinoy, which was also in Hari Prime. That's why he's very, so to speak, in close proximity to where he was. And he, one of the reasons you see we, that we don't necessarily carry a mace unnecessarily somewhere else where we can bury him somewhere more nearby. That's why he's buried and he'll give us in the side of Pinchas Pinoy, which was Nara Prime. Okay? This brings us to the end of Sefer Yeshua. Baruch Hashem. I guess exactly, yeah. It was Moshe. Are you allowed to make a seal and finish the Sefer of the Nash? Moshe asked him that. He says, you're allowed to make a seal on a Sefer of the Nash. But an interesting thing. He says, but when it comes to the Sefer, so even people who didn't learn are allowed to start from the seal. Yeah, if it's uh, nine days or something. They're part of the Sefer Mitzvah. So as a result, if you follow a series of mitzvahs, you know that if a fast, like you meet in our days, is when it comes to others, fire like the nach, so the people who are mishtatif can make it for them to serve as mitzvah. So they can't uh, extend it to other people also. It's an interesting question. What the chilek is, you can talk about it at a different time, but the uh, vada is something which we, we can celebrate. I think that's, uh, normally people that you should skip the, the ten prok in the middle of the nachlas and the kings and everything else. Well, actually, we learned every single word of the novel. We're not going to make a seal and finish the search, you sure? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure.